Hi, Danny. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. As I said, like I really appreciate your valuable time. It's such a big deal, I think, to ask people to give up their free time for a podcast because as creators, if that doesn't sound too cringy to say, when you're trying to put good information out there and, you know, effectively have good conversations with people, you are asking them to give up their time for free when yeah. you're self-employed, you run your own business, like this could be time you're using for you. So I do really appreciate it. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. I enjoy it. So yeah, never a problem at all. How's your morning? Thank you for having me. Yeah, my week's been good so far. I mean, obviously it's only Tuesday, so um, nothing crazy just yet. Obviously bank holidays, I usually work as normal rather than having off like most of the general population. But um, do you have bank holidays off, Dan? Some of them, I have yeah. predominantly worked all of them over the years, especially when I was one-to-one in-person coaching. Like yeah. it just wasn't, I actually found it quite a good opportunity to get, like if I had, had people I was trading split throughout the day, yeah, it did just stint as one-to-one, it'd be a split shift often. So morning clients, evening clients, it was like a good opportunity to get everyone in the first part of the morning, I think. But um, yeah, I like to take them off if I can, because that means socializing with your nearest and dearest. But yeah. understandably, um, as I'm sure we get onto is when you do your own thing, there's always stuff that needs to be done or could or could be done at least. Yeah, absolutely. There always is. But I think equally that downtime is really important. And I'm always saying to like everyone who I speak to who's a personal trainer and online coach, ultimately you can't serve others to the best of your ability unless you look after yourself anyway. So that downtime is important whenever you choose to take it. Yeah, that's a real counter to the typical narrative, I think as well, because years gone by, especially within our industry and the whole, apathy towards rest you know sleep when you're dead and grind harder push through you know it's all in your head all those kind of things people are actually recognizing it's a, a basic essential restorative need yeah. <laughs> it's not a luxury item that you have to earn you're allowed to rest and actually it's quite good for the rest of your business and the rest of your well-being and, and life and everything else could we're going to get on to much about what you do could you just tell me and tell everyone that could be listening to this that's my mum and one other by the way what a little bit about you your vested interest in the in the industry like what got you into physique sport and I'd like to shoo you away from your message and your story that's moved beyond aesthetics I guess yeah, of course. So I first got into personal training in 2015 and I started working in a pure gym after doing my personal training qualification. And then after sort of probably just under a year of personal training, I'd started weight training with a lot more structure and my physique had started to change. And so one of the other PTs had suggested that I get into competing. So that is how I actually ended up getting into the sport of bodybuilding. And I competed 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2020, and then transitioned away from competing. And also during that time, I moved from in-person, one-to-one personal training to online coaching in 2018, the end of 2018. And I've been online ever since. I've also done my performance nutrition diploma with the ISSN um, and a lot of other sort of like seminars and little qualifications here and there alongside that. I've always had an interest in furthering my education um, and I absolutely love what I do. And I sort of got into the industry in the first place to help people progress towards their goals whilst improving their health and quality of life. 
And then as I got into competing myself and the further I got into that industry, bodybuilding pretty much became my entire life. And as well as all of my friends being bodybuilders, my partner was a bodybuilder at the time. I also coached competitors. So it was literally my entire life. And then I got to the point in 2020 where I was like, actually, what am I doing this for? And started to question that and realized that it was taking much more from me than it was actually offering me in a positive way. And so that's when I decided to take a step back from competing. And I sort of realized it wasn't really, it wasn't really me. I wasn't really feeling like myself. I felt like I'd lost a lot of myself at the time. And so, yeah, transitioned away from competing personally and then a year later stopped coaching competitors as well. And now that's where myself and Charlie now help people out of the other side. So we help people move through the post-show process, deal with the struggles that they can have and transition into sort of normal life after bodybuilding, which can be much more difficult than people actually anticipate, as I'm sure that you understand. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand fully. I was more of a participant than any <laughs> in serious competitor, I think. I kind of dabbled in it, um, not to the, the lengths that you guys did especially, but I think that's such a niche and essential area of work because when I think back when I did my first competition in 2012, it, it was it was very new. It was, there was a novelty factor. There was that, they were glorified a lot of the, the competitions around at the time with federations, either high hardcore bodybuilding or the kind of, beauty pageant end I would yeah. describe it as so you'd essentially hire a coach there wasn't there wasn't as much social media there was still social media but it was very easy for people that earned a reputation very quickly to get a lot of people on board yeah leverage a lot of money out of people to essentially cookie cut a plan and you, you know it was, it was more muscle revealing than it was bodybuilding and I think that was actually, if I can reflect and be honest with my intentions when I got into it, that's really what it was for me because I was a very large teenager and I didn't realise that at the time. Interestingly, I had this conversation with Charlie as well, is all this insecurity about your appearance and the judgment from other people. And then I get into a sport where you stand on stage being judged by random people. Weirdly, didn't feel better about myself, but that was a realisation I couldn't make at the time. Also, I didn't realise you did your ISSN. I, I, I that's that's what I, I did my my postgrad with the ISSN as well. Yeah, yeah. I, that was very performance focused. I found though. Yeah. When you took me through your story, what if you don't mind me asking, what became the impetus to, I guess, pursue bodybuilding? In that, was it noticing the body, your body changing, or were you initially pursuing that when you first started training? I think it was a mixture of things. So I've been involved in sport from a very young age. I started playing football when I was about 12 and stopped when I was around like 18, 19. So I've always had like a competitive side of me and have thrown myself into everything. I think when I was a kid, I did every sport under the sun. So it's always been a huge part of my life. And when I got to that point where I'd started personal, I think I was 19 at the time and I'd just moved away from playing football. And when the other personal trainer sort of suggested to me having thought about competing before, I did, I had seen of quite a few bikini competitors on YouTube and I thought, oh, it looks quite cool and looks quite glamorous. And on top of that, it was the next challenge for me personally. It was the next thing to throw myself into with that competitive edge that I've always had. And it was kind of the thing to almost replace football for me. Um. 
And I think that's really common. You know, a lot of people who do compete in bodybuilding and even CrossFit, for example, they come from other sports because when they move away from those sports, they almost feel like they need something else to identify with. And obviously I'm sure that's something that we'll come on to later, but bodybuilding definitely became a huge part of my identity. And that can be problematic in many ways, especially when you then need to move away from it for whatever reason. So there's that side of it the sort of the sporting background and then alongside that there was definitely a part of me that got into it because I was fascinated with seeing the physique changes that I was seeing a hundred percent and um obviously that comes with external validation it comes with I thought to myself oh well this might be good for my business for me to take myself through this process and sort of document that and ultimately let's be honest it, it pretty much was good for my business at the start um However, I would argue that building your business based on your own journey and your own physique progress isn't something that has much, it's not going to serve you that well over the long term because your body is going to change throughout your life and there's nothing that you can do to stop that. And it can also cause issues with your own body image if you've tied your business success to the way that you look externally. So there's there's problems with that. Well, yeah, that definitely played into it, seeing my body change. And um, I think that's the case for the majority of competitors as well. Yeah, I think that's that identity sidestep is something I hear a lot of. And there's certain characteristics and traits, as you say, that do come up that people that might have described themselves as perfectionists or all or nothing, or they're all in when they pick up a new pursuit. And there's definitely aspects of that which are hugely helpful and especially in, in that culture of that sport that's glorified that's essentially that's what helps you excel yeah. but I'm also interested in from your point of view when you recognize that all in or what people would describe as type a or perfectionism when you notice that becoming a little bit problematic and having implications to the rest of your life maybe yeah, I think when I first got into competing, I had a much more healthy relationship with it. And then the further I got into it, it's like you do one show, you get a certain placing, you want to do better than that, especially if you've got that competitive nature. And then you push it and you push it and you push it and it gets more and more extreme the further you get into it. And alongside that, like I said, I'd started to con completely consume myself with the sport so all of my friends were bodybuilders my partner was a bodybuilder I was coaching competitors and it was when it became my entire life and not something that was just a part of my life that I realized it was problematic and I also have always valued my health and when I started to become more aware of the sacrifices that I was making from a health perspective in order to compete that's when I really took a step back and was like, actually, you know, do I want to do this? Because within sort of a few weeks of each prep, I'd lose my menstrual cycle like every single time. Um, I also had a few thyroid issues. I suffered with low estrogen in like 2019, I think it was. So I definitely suffered from a physical health perspective. I was lucky in that my introduction to the sport, I was working with a fantastic coach. He was a local SNC coach and he was a lecturer at university. So we really knew his stuff. And we followed a very evidence-based approach to prep. And therefore I didn't have like a bro meal plan. Like I didn't have any of this super 
rigid stuff to begin with. And I think because of that, that's why I've never majorly struggled too much with my relationship with food. I've never had like binge eating or anything like that because of my introduction to the sport. But what I did suffer with is the physical health effects and bodybuilding becoming something that I identified with. And I think it's it's hard to avoid because of the fact that in bodybuilding, every single day matters. And it is something that every single aspect of your your life, your, you know, how you spend your spare time, your sleep, um, stress management, every gram of food that you eat is monitored. And so it's really difficult when it is literally something that consumes every day for it not to become part of your identity. Um, and you, I certainly got swept up in thinking all that matters is what I bring to the stage next time. Sure. Yeah, that's something I hear a lot of. I say, unfortunately, that, that's part of why we admire the sport because of what it is. So I certainly don't want this to be everything about the sport is negative. I'm just interested into what these kind of factors that pop into people's minds so you you had like real life health implications I guess yeah. whereas I think a lot of people may notice it as so I, I can only attest for myself I'm not going to count anyone else's experience but you know just generally having no energy for anything else like I'd get myself up for my, my training sessions and I'd get myself up for work but I'd have nothing no energy or motivation to kind of engage in conversation with anyone else I didn't want to socialize or say no to more things eating out of Tupperware beginning to almost resent the process a bit more and I think my last show I did a photo shoot four weeks before the show and I had such a massive binge after that I, I was I think I was ready early in honesty and I was expecting what well, we were expecting my daughter at the time and I just thought I don't want to do this but yeah. what I would probably advocate now is which really isn't still isn't spoken about too much is just changing your bloody mind is it almost because you are so forward facing and there is that external validation it is part of your social circles when's your next show when's your next photo shoot is it's almost a performative front you're putting on for other people which is much to the reason why i kind of said to you you guys not that i, I had this inclination for you and charlie but the reason why i don't it sounds really lazy prep too much for these shows uh, because I think naturally being in the fitness industry, we often put on a performative front. Like when we turn up and we do podcasts and things like that, it's we get into this mindset of I must deliver as much value as possible, which I think conceals the actual aspects of helpful conversation that naturally just come up organic conversation yeah. i think people get a vibe for that as well if it feels too rigid if it feels like someone's got a, a plan which they're trying to pull back the conversation to all the time there's that rigidity imposed and i think both people feel that even if they're not going to consciously acknowledge it a hundred percent yeah i completely agree with that i think um what was i going to say yeah on the competing front as well it's I definitely used it as a bit of a coping mechanism at times as well. I don't know if you ever struggled with that, but that's something that I see a lot of people oh, get. control variables, yeah. 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 When, and obviously when... it's a way of gaining control over so many things. And if you feel out of control of other aspects of life, that can be a really nice feeling for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, there was a huge rise in things like eating. Obviously that's the extreme end, but eating disordered and eating disorders and what I would, suggest what a lot of people have which i've experienced that work in fitness as long as as well as those coming into it is just disordered eating habits yeah you know, when you break it down and you think about it, even to the the point of i can't eat a meal without having protein in it 
you know, you, you should be able just to, I mean, it's a good idea if you're muscle building and, you know, we can talk about muscle protein synthesis and all those things and people struggling with protein goals. But if you can't sit down and enjoy an ice cream without thinking about a source of protein, arguably that's a little bit disordered. Yeah. But those aspects are really glorified in our space, which is is the point to, but people don't notice those things because they do, they aspire to be like it because that's all people say. So when you say you were documenting your journey, I think people live in this, a lot of people live in this, I've got, I've got to be really cautious, I don't mean everyone, <laughs> but I do think a lot of people live in this self-imposed prison almost, in that they are at that point where they recognise perhaps they're not enjoying it as much as they did, but their business is built on it, their physique is built on it, their followers are built on it, they've got all this external validation. Where do I go from, from here? Because that transition is really, really tough. I spoke 100%. to um, Ella, the fitness psych, about this, the, the cost of congruence almost in that if you've glorified aspects of physique, I certainly noticed it with my business is, you know, when you decide you don't want to highlight certain aspects you don't want to use before and after pictures, that your body isn't going to be your sole focus. There, there are implications to that. Yeah. Is that something that you struggled with? I, to begin with, I carried on coaching competitors. So that lasted for about a year. And that was almost a way of me not necessarily too much having to deal with the transition all at once. So I was able to write, okay, I'm going to deal with the personal transition. I'm going to carry on coaching competitors. Was that always the plan then that you were going to eventually move away from it entirely? I didn't know at the time. I was like, I knew that I needed to take a step back personally, 100%. I was set on that. I was pretty sure it was going to be my last show. So... I took a step back personally, but I, I allowed myself that time to make that personal transition before I made the transition professionally. And I also wanted to be really respectful to the clients that I was working with. And at the time, like I had some brilliant clients who competed. They were fantastic. They had so much potential. They were so lovely. I had great relationships with all of them. So it wasn't my intention to stop coaching competitors initially. I was like, right, I'll carry on doing that. I'll just take a step back personally. And then sort of as time went by and I made this transition per personally, I, and also as the clients that I was working with, their goals were getting more extreme because they had a lot of potential. So I was having to push them harder. And it, di it didn't sit right with me having to push people through this process that I knew would have a negative effect on their health because I really care about the clients that I work with. I really care about their health. And so I just felt so conflicted because I really cared about the clients. I wanted them to achieve their goals, loved working with them, but it just didn't sit right with me. And I got to the point where I, I just, I was waking up feeling anxious like every day. And I was like, I'm going to have to stop this. And so I waited until the end of the competitive season. And then I had a chat with each one of my clients individually and just said, look, after this season, I'm not going to take people through contest prep anymore. If you do want to stay on with me for like an improvement season phase, you're more than welcome to. Um, but if not, you can sort of transition away whenever you would like to do so. It's completely up to you. And they were also understanding. I still have really good relationships with all of them. And some of them actually, the odd few stayed on and decided not to compete when I decided not to coach competitors anymore. So that was quite interesting. Um, but I like you gave them a bit of courage, maybe. 
yeah yeah so it was it was really interesting seeing that happen because I think it made them really question their goals Mm. and think okay like am I really doing this for me do I really need to do this is this really in line with my values or am I just sort of going with the flow and doing what's popular and um, doing it because I feel like I have to when I gave them an option not to so yeah some of them I still coach now (laughs) and this was a few years ago now so that's great and others you know carried on competing absolutely fully in support of that and respect them I'm still in touch with them they have a lot of potential um but yeah and then that transition from a business perspective was quite difficult then because I was completely changing my messaging so I was going from like all of my content being directed at coaching competitors to basically I wouldn't say the opposite but very very different messaging and so it took a while I think for people to get used to seeing that and for me to to get used to that as well and obviously your engagement does go down initially because people follow you because of you as whatever you've presented to them over the years and that has then completely changed so that was quite difficult to deal with um but I think it's about recognizing actually it's not about the numbers it's not about how many people like your post how many people follow you it's about whether you're actually serving the people that do and whether they're interacting with you for the right reasons. Because when I competed myself, you know, a lot of people followed me because they enjoyed watching my journey, not necessarily because I was providing them with value or because they liked looking at pictures of people shredded, like me shredded and, you know, seeing my body change and that's what they wanted from themselves. Um, So yeah, it took a while to get used to that, but I feel very in line with my values now, both personally and professionally, and so happy with where I'm at and so at peace, whereas at the time I was feeling so conflicted. That incongruence is exactly how I experienced it, to be honest, is that, yeah, yeah. those conflicted feelings of my messages of health, but I'm having to push people to these unhealthy extremes. And for that, not just because I'm not just repeating that because it, it, you know, it aligns with my biases and that's exactly what I did. But I think it, it, there's such a weight that comes with that responsibility. And I hugely respect it because possibly what people don't realize is it's not just something you're dealing with personally with this transition of identity, because it is your, your whole world. It is all consuming. So it's personally and professionally, it's everything about you, but essentially and it's a really crass way of breaking it down is you are almost turning away business and if you're self-employed that sounds really counterintuitive to people but there is a financial implications to this and yeah it's being at ease with that so you're going through this difficult transition personally and also publicly professionally so I I, you know not that you need any validation from me but I think that's you know again I hugely respect that because I know how difficult that is so yeah, I really quite admire that. And when you found you stepped away, did you find it gave people the space to have these conversations with you as well? A hundred percent. Like a lot more people open up to, I know both myself and Charlie on Instagram when they're struggling themselves, either out of the other side of competing or, you know, if they're still in the sport and they they know that they need to or want to take a step back, but they're scared to do so. And there's so many people in that position but they're just so paralyzed because it is their identity it's their entire life and possibly know a few people that are still in that at the moment where they're feeling a bit conflicted and confused but equally that everything about them is 
my identity is this yeah a hundred percent and it obviously makes that transition very daunting very difficult and a lot of them as well like we discussed have built businesses based upon their own journey as well so they're scared of what's going to happen to their business um but ultimately from a business perspective as well I think it's so important to think okay how much time energy and effort do I invest into my own journey and bodybuilding and also finances what if I invested that into my business so yes initially the engagement might drop a little bit and for example in my situation where I decided not to coach competitors anymore guaranteed I was going to lose clients a hundred percent I was going to lose thousands of pounds a month however long term if you invest that time energy and effort back into your business you're going to succeed and that success is going to be much more future-proof as well because like I said if you build your business on your own journey on your own physique that's something that is going to change throughout your life and it doesn't it yeah. yeah. Whereas if you build your business based on your own knowledge, your own value, your perspective on things, your, you know, who you are as a person, then that is future proof that those things aren't going to change. They're only going to continue to grow and develop. I think that's what a lot of people are desperately seeking as well, is we all want to feel seen, heard, understood. We want to be loved, admired. I think when we reference external validation, it's in a negative light. It's a basic essential thing. I think it's just when your sole purpose for existing is reliant on other people, it becomes a bit of an issue, but we all need it to a certain degree. So when you're, I'm just curious as to, you tie so much self-worth, I think, to aspiring to look a certain way. I think it's quite an enlightening experience when you go through this process and you realise it's just a facet of your personality and actually, you know, the people that did, stuck around did follow you do continue to do engage with you do converse with you do want to spend time with you but they love you for the person that you are exactly and I, I certainly thought that a lot of people were only interested because of that part of it and it was quite refreshing and I think that helps solidify that the reasons why you're making that transition so especially if you value things like transparency and authenticity because it gets to a point where you, you don't feel like you're authentically representing yourself yeah by still promoting a certain message that you know based on the implications to your health your lifestyle isn't always healthy yeah a hundred percent and it's so when I made the decision to actually stop coaching competitors I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders it's so liberating it's so freeing when you actually decide to live in congruence ultimately and Yes, like I said, it might come with initial really difficult periods of time, you know, difficult things that you've got to deal with, especially if you've been using competing as a coping mechanism or, um, you know, even business alongside that. To then remove that coping mechanism, you're going to have to deal with the things that you really need to deal with. And that can be really difficult in itself. You might see that drop in engagement. You might see an initial drop in clients, but actually over the long term, you're going to see more success if you're living as your true authentic self. I think that's really difficult for people to get their heads around because as you say, it's such a, a huge personal thing that they're going through. And to the point we were talking about before is over the pandemic, we saw a lot of people that everyone seemingly admires because of how they look and how together they are because of how they look. As soon as gyms were taken out of the equation is people that we'd never heard speak of their mental health were all of a sudden saying things like the gym's my therapy. They were 
suffering you know with mental illness to a certain extent because these control variables and in their lives offered some sort of support for them and that was removed so people doubled down and they did what they could but that meant I'm going to meticulously weigh every morsel of food that enters my mouth look how much my mental health has improved because I've stayed at home and focused on myself and I'm not sure whether you know we, we can't possibly psychoanalyze other people and see their intent but I have this theory it's not based in any evidence at all but there's a certain amount of pain that recognizes pain in others I think when you've been through that you can almost see that screaming through other people's content sometimes because there yeah. is that incongruence. There's those moments of vulnerability, those cracks emerge. You see themselves giving themselves over a little bit to their audience. And then the next thing they're doubling down on gyms reopened, right? I'm going into a next prep, best season possible, whole new package. And you're like, oh, I thought we were, I thought you was getting somewhere, but obviously it's not your place to say that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, do you know what? It's okay to use certain things as a coping mechanism. However, the problem is where someone's completely reliant upon it. So for example, the gym is definitely, a, like exercise is definitely a coping mechanism for me. However, I'm no longer completely reliant upon it like I have done in the past, I have been in the past. So I, I would be okay if it was taken away. Whereas in the past, I was completely reliant upon it and I would have been in crisis if it was taken away so I think that's the difference like it's okay to use things moderately to help you cope with things but mm. it's not being completely reliant upon those things yeah it's having a diverse coping strategy toolbox I think that's when I'm always conscious because much of what we do especially promoting healthful behaviors or health promoting behaviors in people is separating the intent from the behavior so yes. On the surface, whilst it might be hugely admirable that someone exercises every single day, it's that they do those things for multiple reasons, that they recognise the benefits of their mental health, that helps their sleep, that makes them feel fulfilled. It adds to them being able to run around and do things to feeling compelled to. And actually, when they can't do those things, it brings about anxiety, it brings about all these other, as you say, difficult emotions that they're dealing with. What do you do now that brings you more joy, that you kind of reflect on and think, I was missing out on this? So a big one for me is my social time and being able to actually spend time with real friends and my family and actually be present during that time. Whereas in the past, like I said, my whole life revolved around bodybuilding. My friendship, my friendships are very different to what they used to be. They used to be just bodybuilders. And now I feel like the friendships that I have are true friendships. So I feel like I can be my true self around those people with no judgment. And we really add to each other's lives in so many different ways. So yeah, just spending, and it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Like I love going for walks with my friends. Um, I love like just chilling with my friends, being able to go out for food is obviously lovely, which I couldn't do previously. And just that ability to actually be present during experiences that I have. Um, I also like traveling, not just like going abroad and on extravagant trips, but I like going out to the peaks and going for walks there, sometimes on my own, sometimes with friends and family. So yeah, that kind of thing has really, really added to my life. And I also spoke to Charlie about this the other day, something that I've made a conscious effort to do and I think has really helped me with my 
stress management, my body image, my relationship with myself is moving my body in more creative ways. So I've done like yoga, I've done dance classes and just recognizing that exercise doesn't have to be about battering yourself or training optimally to develop your physique. That recognition has been fantastic for me and engaging in more peaceful, I'd say maybe more nourishing forms of exercise as opposed to just going into the gym, training to failure every single session and feeling absolutely battered afterwards. So that's been great for me. And I also love reading, which is something that I never really made time for previously. Um, I do quite a bit of journaling and all of that good stuff. Oh, amazing. And in terms of aspirations, I think when you're you're knee deep in bodybuilding, you can't really see past your next show. I'm not saying that as a suggestion of you. I'm, I'm saying that as like a, something I personally experienced. 100%. What would you look forward to now? I just look forward to like every day, really. I know that sounds really like cliche and cringe, but like, no, yeah, I just look really. forward to it. I'm so much happier now that I don't need an end date to look forward to. So I don't need that. I'm I'm competing in 10 weeks. And so that's what I'm working towards because I enjoy the way that I live my life every day. And I love the experiences that I have on a weekly basis. So I don't need some extravagant event. Yeah, it's great if I can go on holiday and like things like that. I look forward to those things, but I don't need them. And I think that is a great sign that I'm much happier in myself. So yeah, I'd say I don't need those like huge things to look forward to. And I look forward to like the micro moments and spending time with like my favorite people, for example. Yeah, uh, the reason why I asked that, because I think it's, it's such a, a hugely important aspect of, of what we do is that many of the people that we work with and possibly we've both been there before is that you're almost looking towards a definitive outcome. Yeah. That you're never just being, and you mentioned presence. And even mm-hmm. I, I see how people document things on, on social media. It's like they're so intent on chasing evidence of presence. Yeah. With photos, they're actually forgetting to be present. Exactly. So the fact that you can actually just look forward to day to day and have the the creative space to explore that I think is really incredible and you know what I would advocate again for people is some of our health pursuits because it is ongoing there isn't a definitive end date and again exactly. that's abstract for people is when people talk about happiness it's like this full enlightenment self-actualization that they reach this point of happiness whereas it's the peaks the troughs it's the, as you say the moments the moments of of joy and just ultimately living your life to the fullest but I'm very conscious, especially from a enabling point of view. I obviously can't do anything based on aspects of the industry that I've glorified in the past. I can just, you know, attest that that was my best of my efforts at that time. I can certainly reflect back on things and think that really wasn't helpful messaging for the majority of the people, but I still think that's the majority. Yeah, I think a lot of people work towards, you know, extreme deadlines and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with setting you know, deadline-based goals. But like with what we were saying before, it's important not to be reliant upon those deadline-based goals. And, you know, if, if you've got to ask yourself if you couldn't pursue that goal anymore, if that deadline was taken away, would you still be able to enjoy the process? Would you still be able to enjoy your life? And if not, maybe that goal needs questioning and you need to find a way, a process of like, approaching your life that you're actually going to be able to enjoy on the daily bit on a daily basis as opposed to being reliant upon these extreme goals um and if you are reliant upon them it's probably a bit of a sign that you are using it as a coping mechanism and I know that's something I used to really struggle with when 
I was competing is any time, any time where I had to be still and I wasn't doing anything, I always had to be busy all the time. And it's like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I couldn't sit still. Like I couldn't be alone with my thoughts. And that is a bit of a red flag, obviously. But at the time I had no idea because I was just like, this is my life. I'm just chasing this extreme goal. And it just felt normal to me because it was also what all of my friends were doing. All of my peers were doing. It was normalized in the industry to have these extreme goals and never have these moments of stillness. And it took me a really, really long time to no longer feel guilt for resting or for having these moments of stillness and to also be able to actually engage in them as opposed to just fill them with more stuff <laughs> yeah I think that's probably a negative byproduct of this whole you know pro- productivity hacking movement we're going through at the moment it's not yes. a case of because you know essentially being productive is doing what you, what's necessary and being more efficient with your time not so you can create more time to fill with more stuff yeah which i think is really interesting because we all have these aversion tactics and it is it is so habit-based especially with you know we, we've all got these powerful devices smartphones in our hands is questioning why you use them you know why can't you why can't you sit there sit still with your thoughts why yeah. do you poo-poo meditation and find it so difficult? Is it because it's so uncomfortable to sit there? Why are you doom scrolling until midnight? Why are you watching another episode of that series? All of these things, but being present and actually being still. And as much as we can identify all or nothing thinking being a problem for people, something I also think is a bit of an issue is just dealing with boredom. Yeah. Again, just what, why do we need to fill those slots of time? Why can't you just be bored, be at ease with being bored and being a bit uncomfortable with it? I know that sounds a bit elitist, but I think boredom is the reason why we we do a lot of these unhealthy things that we recognise are unhealthy, but we just can't get out of this loop of doing them, especially with like social media and, and stuff. It's it's a hard one, I think, if you work on the online space. I don't know how you, you experience it, but this obligation to fulfil a certain, again, performance for social media sometimes, yeah. because it is your business. You have to do to a certain amount of degree, even if you don't want to also have maintaining a healthy relationship with it how have you found that transition because i gather you would have had to document quite a lot before on your own journey and now away from i don't want to use my body anymore to solely document one message yeah i am much more so i view social media now more as it's a part of my business whereas in the past i'm still myself in there and i still share a lot of like my personality and little bits of my personal life however in the past I used to share a lot of my personal life um especially considering you know like I said all of my friends and my partner was a bodybuilder as well so it was very relevant to my audience to share my personal life however that comes with huge downsides and I think it's really good to have elements of your personal life that you actually keep private and I'm much more private now I do like I said share bits of my personality like if I'm going for dinner I'll sometimes share what I'm having like little bits like that because it's relevant to my audience um but I'm much more I see it as my business as opposed to just documenting everything in my life and I focus every time I go onto social media I make sure that I'm providing value or insight or education 
or entertainment of some kind. Purpose behind your use of it. Yeah. yeah, it's not just oh, I'm gonna go on Instagram, like I'll pop up a post and then dead scroll. It's like no, I'm gonna provide value and then I'm gonna engage with things that are actually relevant and then come off. And I'm much more intentional and conscious with that. And if, for example, I ever see an account that I don't like the post on there, I will just unfollow it straight away. I am much more brutal with that as opposed to in the past. Oh, got solid, solid boundaries, not brutal. Yeah. Whereas in the past, I didn't have the self-awareness to be able to do that, I don't think. Whereas now I'm very aware of like what I should and shouldn't be exposing myself to because of the effects that that might have on me or my perception of the world or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think that's something that, and something that I recommend actually my clients do is to delete the Instagram app off their home screen because then you can't automate, you're not habitually clicking on it. You have to search for it in the search bar. So it yeah, makes you be more... It. Yeah, it makes you be more intentional with your use of it because you actually have to go and search for it as opposed to like literally just clicking on it. We've all been there, like sat down where you just click on Instagram and then start scrolling. It's like, oh, yeah. An I hour mean, later, what am I doing? <laughs> the, the issue for me is when I, I was standing in a supermarket queue. Yeah. And firstly, I was like, this weird. I've just got my phone out of my pocket. But also, my I found my thumb just went to where it would be on the screen, where yeah. the app would be. So it's, it's, I wasn't even thinking about it. It's just my thumb was there and opening the app before I even thought about it. I thought, there's literally one person in front of me. What am I doing? And yeah. that's when I did. So I always got Instagram on my phone, but I've done exactly as you say. I've deleted it from my home screen. Well, it is so difficult, I think, as a creator, as someone who does have a, a business that is online, you do feel an obligation to share a lot. You do feel an obligation to turn up every single day and post regardless of how you're feeling. And obviously there's a certain element of, yes, that is productive for business to do that. However, I think it's important to have the self-awareness to know when you need to take a step back and when you need to actually just just post, just get something out there because it will serve you and your business well. Um, and there's there's a fine line between that. It's It's difficult to navigate sometimes and... Yeah, it can be hard to feel that obligation to post every single... I definitely feel it 100%. I feel yeah. obligated to show up every single day on social media. Well, this is the thing, and a counter to a lot of the narrative that's out there, I think, anyways, there's this show up every day, but there's... If you're self-aware that you have an understanding of your values yeah. and it feels inauthentic for you to show up in air quotations, which anyone listening to this won't see, but to show up online to the point that not only are you neglecting your own needs, but you're possibly neglecting the nearest and dearest around you. So yeah. if it is like a bank holiday, for example, and you're, you have your essentials, which you, you have to do, but then it's the possibility you've got a couple of hours free, you could create content. Does that mean you should? Yeah. And is that taken away from life? So it's, it's, if you're showing up daily on social media, I think it is, that's that's fine, but if it's so counter to how you feel at that moment, or it's possibly at the detriment to other aspects of your life, it's a silly message to put out there. That's just my personal yeah. view, which I, I know everyone won't, won't agree with, by the way. You spoke of the downsides of being super transparent, because I think that's an interesting aspect of social media, is that we almost we demand transparency. But if people are too transparent, that's a bit of a turn-off as well, because ultimately people go to social media to feel good about themselves. So if you not only is it possibly an overshare for all the wrong reasons that people want to get um sympathy i think some people use it for that i think that's called sad fishing is the official name for that 
But um, when you share absolutely every aspect of your personal life, again, it feels like an obligation to people and people get over familiar. They end up in your, yeah. your messages asking questions, which frankly are none of their business. If you don't mind me asking, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? I won't, obviously I'm not going to pry with anything you don't want to share, but you mentioned yeah. downsides. So I, I am um, so I've never been the type of person to be like I've never overshared emotionally I've never been on social media like crying or anything like that because that's never felt right to me to do that it's never to me that would feel very inauthentic because in those moments where I was emotional for whatever reason the last thing I was thinking about doing is show, showing up on social media. I needed to, to take, take time for myself to deal with that, not show up on social media and get loads of people asking questions about it. So yeah, I would question when people do that. Um, but what I did share was a lot of my relationship at the time. And what that meant is like you've just mentioned, a lot of people felt obligated to know everything about that. And so when that relationship broke down, we didn't announce it on Instagram or anything like that but it becomes quite obvious when you used to post together all the time and then you stop posting so everyone feels like they have an obligation to know what happened and they ask questions and so the amount of questions I get on a regular basis was quite large and on top of that there was rumors spread things like that and it can be quite difficult to deal with when you're going through that yourself, you're dealing with the relationship breakdown, but then you've also got everyone's opinions and rumors being spread. And it's it's just really difficult to deal with, especially when at the time I still had a business on social media as well. So I was still having to show up regularly and post and also be exposed to all of these opinions and questions and things like that. So that is something that I would really question for anyone listening. Like if you are sharing aspects of your personal life, fine, but maybe save certain things, especially if you have, well, I guess it's it's weird because I was going to say, especially if you have a decent following, but usually it's the people who have pretty decent followings that do share a lot of their personal life. So yeah. There's it's, a voyeurism attached to it, isn't there? There's that curiosity, like you look at celebrity culture, how vested people yeah. are. I mean, I'm not particularly bothered by that, but by my own admission, I don't, didn't know too much about them before. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case, like I found myself watching YouTube yeah. clips. I dread to the amount of like opinions and things they get thrown at them, considering obviously I'm not a celebrity, I'm not, nothing like that. But yeah, it was a lot when we were going through that at the time and this was years ago now, so. Um, I am now much more private with certain aspects of my personal life and um, partially just because I've learned that it can be really difficult to deal with when you are quite public about things. Yeah and we certainly we don't owe anyone anything which is much yeah. the point we're saying about showing up daily you know like if you're having a particularly low day and stuff is okay from a business standpoint you know you could argue the fact that oh you need to show up daily because brand awareness is it everything else but I'm really interested in just the humanistic elements is everything feels a little bit I say everything much of what I see on social media now feels quite elitist feels kind of removed from the reality and the humanistic elements of what people are actually experiencing so yeah I can understand the rationality behind the argument show up daily brand awareness etc but also 
there's a human behind that you know if if they feel they need the space to do whatever they need to do to remove themselves from the pressure surely longer term that's going to be more beneficial to them and their mental health and their physical health than yeah. it is putting on this performative front because i think as someone that has experienced depression through their their adult lives is there's nothing worse than having to perform, put that performative front on that mask daily anyway just to get through the day then when people feel they have to do that for social media as well I think that's that's, it's big ask and when you ask that of people and you imply when they're not doing that that is some personal failure of sorts I don't think that helps maybe that's me pushing my own biases out there a little bit I completely agree with that 100% I think a lot of it is performative now and it's unfortunate and like I said I've never had the instinct to go on social media in my most difficult times maybe some people are different I don't know but for me it doesn't seem natural to want to do that it seems like it must be forced to some extent if someone's doing it regularly at least because in those times you really do need to take a step back and deal with things yourself when you're you know struggling the most you don't need to be exposed to everyone else's opinions on social media and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff yeah, I think an aspect of it is if you share everything with the world, what's left just for you? You know, there should be yeah. precious moments that are just for you, you know. So and also, how do you make decisions for yourself? If you share everything on social media, you're constantly getting external validation from other people based on certain things. You're getting opinions thrown at you all the time. Mm-hmm. That must feel really messy in your head. How do you make? How do you know the decisions you're making are for yourself and not influenced by the opinions of others if you share absolutely everything yeah i think that offer operates on such a sinister self-deceptive level as well because you you can't be too vested in either or so if if you're so much involved with your social media account and the acknowledgement you might be getting from other people is you almost start curating a message that just appeases them and this is the difficulty i find with medics often to be quite honest but medics that become influencers and ambassadors of certain causes so like just just to throw an example out there so a doctor that may be anti-diet for example which is talking which are talking about all the negative aspects of diet culture which we can fully acknowledge but when they fail to acknowledge any positives or some people of dieting that it may improve aspects of their life i think that's a dangerous territory but because they can't because they've created an audience that are solely vested in them and that anti-diet message they can't possibly acknowledge those so again that becomes performative so yeah. if you're putting stuff out there it's getting a negative response but it's counter to what you truly believe that means the version of yourself you're putting out there isn't the right one and if you're always performing picking um trending audio or picking the latest track or the the latest canva design to appease people again that's an inauthentic representation of you so it's, it's such a a difficult terrain to manage yeah it really is because there's a certain like when you own your own business yeah you do have to take into account other people's opinions if you want to do well in that business to some extent but it's like okay to what extent do you take on board other people's opinions where do you draw the line mm. What would your your advice be to someone that was in your shoes that is that is going through that? Because I, I use that word deliberately when I said courage. I do think it takes courage to step away from that, especially if you've curated an audience largely on one particular message. It's to decide, as you say, have that self-awareness to go, 
actually that's not that's not really me but uh, it's quite difficult to step away from that how would you advise people start that process yeah I would say to begin with don't feel like you have to announce the decision straight away for example if you want to move away from coaching competitors or competing yourself you don't need to go on social media and say to everyone I'm thinking about moving away from competing keep that decision to yourself I did at the start for a good couple of months and allow yourself time to settle in to I was going to say your new life maybe your new life bit dramatic to the transition that you're making and make sure that you're making that decision for yourself without the opinions of others don't announce it straight away um and start to something I get my clients to do is as they're going through life and they're trying new things and they're experiencing things if they ever notice something has left them feeling at peace or happy left them feeling joy they write a note on the notes in their phone and then they have one of the opposite. So if anything leaves them feeling dysregulated, angry, unhappy, low, they make a note of that. And then they'll start to realize, actually, these are the things that I need to do more of and the people that I need to spend more time with, the people that make me feel good. And these are the things that I need to spend less time doing or the people that I need to spend less time with. So that's a little exercise that can actually really help because sometimes people are like, I don't know what makes me happy. Like, I don't know what I enjoy doing. And they don't realize until they actually do the things. So try new things, be intentional with going new places, spending time with different people and be intentional about noticing how is this making me feel as opposed to just going through motions of life. So that's a little exercise I'd 100% recommend. And then also have a think about like, where do you want to be in five years time? And is the way that you're living your life right now going to lead to you getting there? And if not, what can you change? What small things can you change on a daily basis? Um, and when I say, where do you want to be in five years? I'm not talking about huge goals. I'm talking about like, how do you want to feel? Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be surrounded with? um so that that can really help just to make sure that you're living in congruence and place just put way more emphasis on how you personally feel perform and function mentally and physically as opposed to your external appearance and ask people closest to you like why do they value you as a person to help you realize that you have way more value beyond your external appearance because that can really help as well and also spend less time on social as well yeah that's such a great point you mentioned at the very start there that i think actually works almost in inverse is with those public assertions that people make and those promises when you say oh i'm now going to step away from competing i think when you're of that world and in that world is a lot of those imposed pressures come from and my next show is this day yeah. which is a counter to that possibly what we've been talking about is just turning around and saying actually this isn't aligned with me i want to change my mind on it when you publicly promise those things people feel they have to fulfill the, the promises to essentially strangers yeah exactly it's like take remove that pressure so you know you're making the decision that's right for you personally and if you're a coach, for example, start producing content that you know will help the people that you're trying to help. And if you do that, you know anyone that engages with that is engaging it for the right reasons because they found value in that because you're actually able to help them. 
and not just because they like the way that you look or whatever it might be. Thank you. I think there's such valuable points and I really, I genuinely mean that. It's like a, you know, the work that you guys are doing is so important because it just didn't exist. And I think a lot of people felt deflated. They possibly, I know I did after my first show, I felt a bit abandoned almost. Yeah. So my, my coach's intent at that time was just take my money and <clears throat> afterwards the post-show experience is quite difficult anyway but when you've got no one else to lean on no one else's experiences to kind of bounce ideas off of because there's a certain vulnerability with that other competitors weren't really sharing those stories back then yeah. everyone else was seemingly just getting on with it no one else was struggling and then five ten years down the line it was like oh yeah I was there as well yeah. and you actually realize how valuable that aspect of community in a helpful way and an unhelpful way was you're in this community of a, a culture that nurtures all these unhealthy aspects of ourselves all these extreme personality types which are great for the sport but that also encourages an element of secrecy as well yeah definitely and I don't know if you've noticed this but anyone who tends to have quite a negative experience of competing does drop off a cliff on social media so you don't see that side of it and that's okay because they're dealing with their own things in their own time. It's good for them to take a step back from social media. However, we have to bear that in mind when we're looking at competing as a sport and what it consists of, because we only see the highlights. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Danny. I feel like we could talk for ages. If anyone wanted to go out, I'm not going to cry too much because I know like Charlie alluded to, you guys have got some exciting stuff going on. And I want to pry if you can't share that just yet. So I'm just going to encourage people to keep an eye on it. But if people wanted to find out a little bit more about you guys and what you do, where would they go? Yeah, so head to my my personal Instagram is Danny Bosworth. That's D-A-N-N-I-B-O-S-W-O-R-T-H. And on there, I've got everything else tagged. So head over there and you'll find the Flourishing Society, which is man and Charlie's community and the work that we're doing together and you are right we have got some really exciting things coming so keep your eyes peeled for that oh we'll leave it on the cliffhanger right there thank you again i really appreciate you appreciate your time thank you so much for having me